You're listening to the Worst Guys Fantasy Podcast, where you get all your fantasy sports advice to help you dominate your leagues year-round. Here are your hosts, Karma and Lior. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. This episode should be an exciting one. We are going to go over our top 12 running backs. Not to mention, we're also going to be going over a couple of guys who didn't make that top 12, but definitely have RB1 potential. To get things going, I think we should start off with those guys. The first one being Leonard Fournette. You know, last year he finished as the 13th uh, running back. He had a pretty solid year, rushed for 1,100 yards, basically. You know, he played all 15, uh, not all 15 games. He played 15 games. It was the first time he played more than 13 in his career. Last year, I believe he was only playing like six, six or eight games, something somewhere in between there. Problem, though, he doesn't score the ball. He had three touchdowns in the whole year. You know, it's just not sustainable. Yeah, that's why I guess he didn't make the top 12 here. He did finish 13 last season, but I still believe he's a solid target in the late second round and early third round. You could he would have that potential because, look, Jaguars were looking to trade him last um, during the draft and they declined his team option for his fifth year. So he'll be a free agent after this season. So he could have that potential to get back into the RB1 like conversation, try and turn a big payday. And then next up on... Um, we had Miles Sanders that didn't quite make the top 12, but he had a pretty good rookie season last year. He finished 15th in running backs in 2019, and last season he had 818 rushing yards, 509 receiving yards. So he's a passing back, definitely in that Philadelphia offense. Takes care of the ball with two fumbles. He had three touchdowns last year rushing and three touchdowns receiving. So total of six touchdowns is not bad, but... It's not RB1. Yeah, it's just not RB1, exactly. Yeah, see, my problem with him, though, is last year he uh, he played only 52% of the snaps. He shared those snaps with Jordan Howard, and then Jordan Howard, he also missed a whole bunch of time with his injury. So to only get 52% of the snaps, uh, you'd like to see that increase. But keep in mind, it was the largest share of playing time since LaShawn McCoy was back with the Eagles in uh, 2014. You know, but... When Jordan Howard was out of the lineup, he was a top 12 fantasy running back. Those were through weeks 11 and 17. He had a much, much increased workload volume. He was getting 18.6 touches roughly. And if he does get that production level to carry over into 2020, he can be a top running back. Yeah, he was a top 12 fantasy running back last season with Jordan. the weeks Jordan Howard was out of the lineup, weeks 11 through 17. So he definitely has the potential, and that's why he's just he's just right outside the list for us. Another guy who just may not be in the right situation per se is going to be Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Adam Gase, he's not a big fan of the running backs. We all know this. And last year, it showed with Le'Veon Bell. He, he played 15 games, but only got 789 rushing yards, 461 receiving. He got you four touchdowns. He fumbled it once. You know, it, it it wasn't a good looking year for Le'Veon Bell, especially given what we know he can do. Some positives, though, he was one of three running backs to have 240 rushing attempts and 75 targets as well. So it's not like he wasn't completely out of the offense. It just he wasn't used correctly. 
Yeah, you know, he only averaged three point yards per attempt in rushing. But I guess he has the potential to get back into the top 12 because the offensive line was upgraded quite a bit this offseason by the New York Jets, which should allow Bell more room to work with. Even if he repeated his 2019 performance, that's still RB2 production. Right. I mean, but the thing is, you also have to look at the fact of who he was before he uh, sat out that season. You know, 2017, when he got his 320 rushes, his 400 touches, it's a 1,300 rush yard season, 650 receiving yards. You know, he gets 11 touchdowns, but he can be RB1, no problem. Oh, yeah, he definitely has the talent for it. And like we said before, he's just a a transcendent talent in the NFL. But, you know, I think it's going to take some time for him to get implemented into that Jets offense. And let's not forget that, you know, their quarterback got mono last season and, you know, it changed up the whole offense completely for Le'Veon Bell. So, you know, I'm expecting a bounce back season for sure. His ADP here is 37. So in the late, the late third rounds, maybe early fourth rounds, that has great value at that pick. And he finished RB 21. So, hey, if your third or fourth round pick could finish and as a tier two running back, I'll be pretty happy with that. Definitely. And, you know, another guy who's going later in the rounds, it's uh, Chris Carson. He's going right now at a draft position at 31, which is pretty crazy given, you know, what he did last year. Put up 1,200 rushing yards. He put up 266 receiving. You know, he wasn't that he wasn't used that much in the in the passing game. But that man can run. You know, he had his hip injury at the end of the season. So. People are being a little cautious with him. However, he is supposed to be ready for uh, for week one. So getting him at at that 31 draft position, that's something. I've been a fan of Chris Carson. And like you said, at that value in the third, fourth round pick, I wouldn't mind taking him here. Yes, you know, he had that hip injury. And also Rashad Rashad Penny, I'm pretty sure, had that knee injury. So it's going to be... It's going to be a tough, like, it's going to be a little rough start for the Seattle running backs to start off the season coming off these injuries. But if Chris Carson can get back into his rhythm, I'm pretty happy with him being in the third or fourth round. Oh, definitely. If this man is healthy and if we knew he was healthy, he would be a top 12 uh, running back. It's just we don't know that he's healthy. Oh, yeah. That's why we have him at number 13, basically, just right outside the top 12, because he did finish ninth last year in running backs. And I mean, you could call us hypocrites given who we put at 12, but we just feel that this situation is it's it's overall better for both sides, including the player, the team, everybody. And number 12, it's going to be Todd Gurley, the new Atlanta Falcon. You know, last year it was an interesting one with the Rams. Their offensive line completely fell apart. You know, it, it was a shell of themselves. Uh, the offense itself just couldn't get it going. But I mean, hey, he's going to a new team. He's going to have the same role, the same cherished bell cow role where he does everything. You know, he doesn't get the new knees with the move, but he's the number 15th ranked running back right now. So at that draft position, you could very possibly getting a steal. You know, uh, in 2018, this guy put up 1,200 rushing yards, 17 touchdowns, just receiving, or excuse me, just rushing, and then receiving at another four touchdowns with 580 yards. I mean, this guy is a scoring machine when he's good. Yeah, and people were kind of disappointed in this season he had last year. 
you know, especially where you drafted him coming in 2019. But look at the year he had. He had 857 rushing yards. He still gave you 12 rushing touchdowns. And on the receiving end, 200, yeah, it's pretty low compared to usually used to getting from Todd Gurley. But he added two touchdowns there. And so he had two touchdowns in receiving total of 14 touchdowns. And, you know, Todd Gurley has been one of the best running backs in his time with the with the Los Angeles Rams now. But the injuries are a little bit of a concern. But he's on a one-year prove deal, and the Falcons will have no risk on running him a ton. And But it's a huge risk, but a very high potential here. Yeah, you know what they say. High risk, high reward. I mean, this guy, like you said, been one of the best uh, running backs in the league. He put up 54 total touchdowns since 2017. It's the most since then. And I mean, he's going to Atlanta where the running backs, where it's usually a running back by committee. Uh, they've averaged 1,300 yards, nine, 10 touchdowns on the ground, you know, 507 yards in the air, five touchdowns that way over the last three years. So you're looking at numbers that fit into a bad Todd Gurley year. So if he puts up a good year, this could be something interesting. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now that Devontae Freeman's kind of out of the picture, and I know he had a disappointing season to, um, last year with the Atlanta Falcons, but this offense with Matt Ryan. Julio Jones and Calvin really adding Todd Gurley into the mix. I really see a huge potential. I think this is one of the most um, fantasy friendly teams to draft for. And moving on to our number 11 spot, we have Josh Jacobs. He finished 14th last season and he had a great rookie here for the um, now the Las Vegas Raiders. Sorry. And look, in 13 games, he had just under 1,200 yards, seven touchdowns. He he took care of the ball pretty well, only one fumble lost. And the problem with him, I guess, is he's just not really part of the receiving game much on that offense. He had 27 targets for 20 catches and 166 yards and no touchdowns there. And yeah, it's not looking, it's not likely that Jacob sees the 50 plus targets he deserves on the receiving end. But what he's able to do on the ground is something that we like very much. And moving into Vegas with a whole new, um, whole new outlook for the organization. I do expect them to go out with fireworks and maybe implement Josh Jacobs in a better way. Yeah. Like you said, if coach Gruden gets uh, Jacob more involved in the past game, he's, he's a threat for a top five running back. You know, uh, I remember his first few games where he just started lighting the league on fire going for, you know, 30 yard rushes like nothing. But uh, the problem is Rickard and Washington his opponents on the team, they combined for 84 targets while only playing uh, less than 30 of the snaps. So those two guys are somehow getting quadruple the amount of passing targets that he is while playing less than 30% of the game. It doesn't make sense. You know, if Josh Jacobs gets those passes and those touches, it's it's a scary threat. He was on pace for 14 100 yards when he missed three games last season. So if he had a full season, he could have finished third among running backs and rushing. So that's a pretty that's a pretty promising thing to look at going into 2020 for sure. Yeah, if this guy plays the whole season, it's fairly easy to say you can bet on him over the fields on being a top five rusher. Yeah, so his ADP here is at 20. So he's going late in the second rounds and mid-second round to early third rounds and depending on what you're looking for. If you're able to pair him with a pretty good wide receiver and like you dropped in the first round or 
a superstar running back early in the first round, I think you'd have a good combination there with Josh Jacobs in the late second round pick. Yeah, definitely. Another guy who is going basically right next to him, uh, the guy we put at our 10 spot, Mr. Austin Eckler, going at 21. So like you said, another one of those guys who it's the mid to late second round, you know, uh, rushing wise, he didn't put up super big numbers. It was 557 yards, you know, but this guy in the passing game is unbelievable. You know, he had 108 targets for 993 yards. You know, his average uh, yardage per reception is 10.8 yards. It's unbelievable what he's doing on the air. You know what I mean? Is it likely he repeats these numbers? No. However, he will be getting a bump in that run game with Melvin Gordon gone. So if he gets up to 225, say, touches, you could be looking at upper RB2, maybe borderline RB1 territory. Yeah. And, you know, the last couple of seasons, we all knew the type of running back Austin Eckler was and how he's explosive in the passing game for the Chargers. And we're going to have to see how the Chargers implement him more into the offense now that Phillip Rivers is gone. But he finished seventh last year with Melvin Gordon being in his holdout. and. I'm pretty excited to see what he could do in a full on RB1 role. I know they have Justin Jackson as their RB2 in that offense, but I do expect Austin Eckler to get more rushing, like you said, and that could really help him um, going into 2020, maybe even finish as a top five, top, top eight as he finished last season. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he's explosive in the passing game. And to put it in perspective, through the first month uh, in PPR leagues, the only player to have more points was Christian McCaffrey uh, among running backs. Uh, I mean, when he's used to his full potential, you're looking, like you said, at one of those guys, top five, top eight running back, no problem. It's just, we don't know if they're going to use him to his full potential. Yeah, for sure. So that's something that you're going to have to look at and how, you know, which quarterback they start off with, with Justin Herbert or Terod Taylor. But I do expect both of them are going to be able to hit him with the dump off pass and let him break loose in the backfield. And if he gets that rushing role that we're hoping for, then it could really help his, um, it could really help his potential, but I, I still see him as an RB on regardless. And I really love that value there at late second round turn pick right there. Yeah. You know, the theme right now seems to be value and the guy that we put at number nine, Joe Mixon, Another great, great value pick. His ADP is at 22 right now. So same neighborhood. All these guys, they're next door neighbors, basically. Uh, He played all 16 games last year, which is amazing. Had 1,100 rushing yards, basically. Five touchdowns, you know, didn't really get the ball across the line that much. But Cincinnati as a whole didn't really get the ball across the line that much. Receiving wise, he wasn't involved as much as many people would like to see. He only had 45 targets. Caught 35 of them for 287 yards. He got three touchdowns over the air, too. I mean, this guy so far, what we've seen from him on and saying a subpar team is, is a compliment at this point for the Bengals. To see what he does on that team, it's, it's amazing. You know, he's been finishing on the back end of RB1 class uh, for each of the past two seasons, basically, despite this environment. So they added rookie quarterback Joe Burrow. If he can deliver on the hype, that'll be a big boom. Yeah, I know they drafted Joe Burrow and they have A.J. Green coming back. They also drafted T. Higgins along with 
Tyler Board and John Rosh as the receiving core. I do expect that offense to have a potential to be a fantasy friendly team as well. And you just got to hope that the hype with Joe Burrow helps Joe Mixon even push his game to another level that he hasn't been able to do under Andy Dalton. And no disrespect to Andy Dalton, but Joe Mixon has a type of talent to be an RB1. I know he finished in the back end of the RB1, but I'm expecting him to get a little more closer. He finished 11th last season, and I know he was very disappointing for some people that drafted him last year. But look, and he doesn't fumble the ball. He takes care of it for you. You're not really worried of that ball security of him losing touches if he fumbles the ball mid-game. As some running backs have the tendency to do, they get yanked after a fumble. You miss him for a couple snaps. Joe Mixon is going to provide you with consistent play time throughout the year. And it's, and it's a good sign that he was able to finish 16 games last year and, and he stayed healthy. Yeah, you know, speaking of that consistency, you know, under Zach Taylor, the new head coach, he finally got, you know, the touches he deserves, basically. He got 18 plus touches on 10 different times. You know, with that type of volume, it's almost impossible to not be productive. I mean, for back-to-back years, he already has given you 1,400 total yards. You know, it's proven that he will get you the extremely high yardage that you want out of your running back that you're taking in those first couple of rounds. Now it just comes to see, will they finally be able to score the ball in Cincinnati? And speaking of guys that uh, can score, though, Cincinnati has a problem of doing it. This guy has no problem doing it whatsoever. Aaron Jones coming in at the eighth spot. I mean, this guy put up 19 touchdowns last year. He tied with Christian McCaffrey for leading, uh, leading the league. And, and that's not it. He gave you also a thousand rushing yards, turned the ball over a couple times, which you don't like seeing, you know, playing with Aaron Rodgers. The man doesn't necessarily scramble too much. He's, he's more of a dink and dumb kind of guy. So he got his targets at 68. He caught 49 of them for 475 uh, total yards, basically. I mean, this guy had a hell of a year, especially given that I'm pretty sure he was going in like the second or third round. And to finish as the RB3, especially after no one really pegged you to do so, is always nice to see. Yeah, and his ADP is right here at the turn in the first round. So I really like him. If you can get Aaron Jones in a rival receiver there or double back with maybe Aaron Jones or you know a couple other court, uh, running backs on our list coming up, depending on how the draft goes, if you pair him with two good running backs there, I think you'll be pretty excited for your fantasy team going into 2020. But the issue I have with Aaron Jones is he has that boomer bust week in and week out type of potential where he had five games under double digits in fantasy last year, but he also had five games with 23 plus fantasy points. So there's going to be weeks, at least of last season, there were weeks where he kind of was disappointing and maybe you know, you took a loss because of it and you're expecting him to get you that 20 points that you're accustomed to or like throughout the year. But he also won you some weeks. So it's it's kind of hard to tell. And, you know, he has Jamal Williams. He played just 60 percent of the snaps because of that. And I'm pretty sure they're both on contract years or at least Jamal Williams is. So maybe Jamal Williams gets more action throughout the season. But I think he's a safe target early in the second round. and. Right there at the turn pick for sure. Yeah. And also you got to remember that in the second round, the Packers drafted AJ Dillon. So there's some more competition Uh, and, you know, Matt LaFleur, he hasn't really shown that he's a one back guy. He, He has been going by the committee. And if Aaron Jones is 
able to, you know, secure the number one back position and he plays more than 60%, if he gets, you know, uh, up to, let's say, maybe 300 rushing attempts, you're looking at possibly a repeat of 15 to 20 touchdowns and another 1,500 rushing yards. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, like you brought up the fact that they drafted AJ Dillon and Matt LaFleur liking to use running back by committees. But the season he had last year is the reason why we're still fans of him coming into this season at the eighth spot. Just because, you know, 19 total touchdowns in a year is is amazing coming from your RB1, RB2 running back, especially when you draft them early on. And if you're able to get that type of production, you're looking in for a pretty good um, fantasy season. Yeah. Another guy that I want to talk about moving on real quick to number seven. He has a lot of competition, but was still able to put up an amazing year. At number seven, we have Nick Chubb. He finished last year uh, as the sixth best running back. And that was with Kareem Hunt even coming back and getting in the way. Now, his total numbers, he had 1,500 rushing yards, uh, eight rushing touchdowns. He gave the ball away three times, unfortunately, but he played you all 16 games. Now, receiving, not really what you want to see, but he was involved with 49 targets and 280 uh, yards in the air. But the problem is, is Kareem Hunt. You know, before Hunt, Nick Chubb was averaging 22 touches a game, four targets a game, roughly over the air. Now you add Kareem Hunt, it drops down to 19 touches and two targets in the air. It's not too big of a drop off, but it's enough to make a notice. Oh, yeah, for sure. And if you look at the numbers from last season, when Kareem Hunt, you know, when Kareem Hunt came back and joined the Browns offense, Nick Chubb finished just outside of the RB1 class in fantasy points and fantasy points per game, basically, in weeks 10 through 7, weeks 10 through 17 with Kareem Hunt in the backfield. And prior to that, he was the number four running back going through the first 10 weeks of the season. So it does affect his productivity on the field, but him still being able to finish as number six running back last season. And I'm just be honest with you. I'm just hoping that the Browns could figure their shit out basically and especially Baker Mayfield and get their offensive going with Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, Nick Chubb, you know, and now Kareem Hunt. This offense has the potential to be a really electrifying product on the field and very fantasy friendly, but they weren't able to do that last season other than Nick Chubb. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Just on paper, you could say talent wise, it's almost there with Kansas City. Obviously, they don't have the quarterback situation, but those wide receivers, the running backs, heck, even the tight ends they have there, uh, David. Yeah, David Njoku. I forgot to bring him up when I was listening to offense there. But yeah, he's still a great target to turn with his rushing upside. Expecting the Browns offense to move the ball better in 2020 is something I'm looking forward to. And I'm not, I won't be, I won't shy away from drafting Nick Chubb because of their offensive problems because running backs have been able to succeed in poor situations. But just like in general, I hope the Browns get their shit together basically because, you know, you know, next week we're going to be talking about our wide receivers and Odell Beckham. He's looking outside the wide receiver one conversation because of last season. And that's not something that we're used to in fantasy with, uh, with OBJ. So 
you know, we'll get into that more next week as well. But but yeah, I'm still confident in Nick Chubb going into next year. Yeah. And, you know, I want to move on to number six just because this is a nice segue that you provided me here is uh, our number six guy is going to be Dalvin Cook. And I'm not confident about drafting Dalvin Cook just solely based off the fact that this guy signed no contract yet. And he even stated, you know, there's headlines out there that say he is going to hold out. So I don't know if anyone remembers what happened the past two years, the last time a star running back held out, but it didn't turn out well for anyone who drafted them. So as amazing as he was last year, finishing with 1100 rushing yards, you know, 13 uh, rushing touchdowns, you know, in the air, he had 519 yards, you know, this, this guy, he had an amazing season and it was partly in fact that he finally stayed healthy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he did miss two games last year. He was able to finish fifth and running backs and, and he just has tremendous talent since the moment he stepped into the NFL. But you bring up the, you bring up a good point with the two running backs the last two years that held out because of contracts and fantasy players out there were still drafting them, hoping that they would come back and we do have to take um we do have to take out running back holdouts very seriously when it comes to fantasy because you, if you look at Le'Veon Bell's situation you were out for a whole year and that kind of that you kind of ruined a first round pick basically in 2018 and in 2019 I know people were scared of Melvin Gordon so he was able to drop in the draft and yeah he did come back but that wasn't the Melvin Gordon you were drafting for, especially when Austin Eckler emerged as the RB1 when Melvin Gordon sat out. So you do have that issue here. But, you know, while we're making this list, we also brought up the fact that Zeke was also threatening a holdout. And, you know, he was still drafted top five in drafts last year. And that ended up becoming a huge, a huge win for fantasy players because if I remember correctly, Zeke showed up to camp like a week before right and that kind of helped you out if you weren't scared of drafting him but but obviously different organizations different players different mindsets when it comes to contracts negotiations so it's something that you really need to think about when you're drafting a running back going into holdouts or trade talks but just talking on the talent on the field i still have dalvin cook as a top five running back regardless but we do have to monitor the situation go, going into training camp this year. So we'll have some time to monitor that. Hopefully they work something out. But with running backs, it's really tough because organizations are now not willing to pay unless you're their running back of the future. And if they believe that you're able to perform for years in beyond your current contract, because Dalvin Cook and Todd Gurley were pretty much in the same situation where the Rams still gave Todd Gurley that massive contract and he wasn't able to perform up to that. You know, up, up pretty much he wasn't able to perform to the money he was getting paid and they were they had to make a move. And that kind of hurt the Rams organization, you know, just financially and also offensively last year, even though Todd Gurley was able to play pretty well. So. Just more of the situation, guys. We all know what Dalvin Cook could do in fantasy aspect of everything, but you know, it gets very it gets very tricky when it comes to the business side of things. Yeah, and I mean with his injury history, I don't see the Minnesota Vikings really trying too hard to meet his demands. But 
to talk about his uh, on the field attributes that, you know, are, in my opinion, at least going to be a great, great benefit to him is the Vikings don't have Stefan Diggs anymore. And that man, we know how much he demanded the ball. So the interesting thing here is, though, that Dalvin Cook, he ranked third in yards per route run among running backs. So now that Stefan Diggs is gone, we could see him get even more involved in the passing game to the point where it was like two years ago, Alvin Kamara, you know, left and right dink and dump swings. Yeah. And, that, you know, that's a great point that you brought up. He just he was averaging just under 10 yards per reception last year and he had 53 receptions. And that's great in PPR. You pretty much had a 1600 all purpose yard running back scoring 13 touchdowns. He didn't have a receiving touchdown. You can't complain on where you get your touchdowns when you're com- when it comes from your running back, for sure. Now, moving on to our fifth spot, we have Alvin Kamara. Now, guys, listen, I know he disappointed a lot of fantasy owners last year with the season he had finishing outside of the RB1 when he was going top five, top six in drafts last season. But you got to realize that has a lot to do with, you know, Drew Brees' injury with Teddy Bridgewater stepping in, taking over that offense. Kamara was kind of out of the loop there. And also Kamar was dealing with his own injuries as well, but it definitely showed the negative impact. All those injuries had to the, to the organization, you know, with breeze and Kamar. He had just about 800 rushing yards on 171 attempts. Um, I think you said he started in nine of the game, nine out of the 14 games he played. And he only had five rushing touchdowns. He had four fumbles last season. And, but in the PPR standpoint, he did had a pretty good receiving year with 81 receptions, just under 100 targets. And we know we always make the joke with Drew Brees with that that dink and dump quarterback, but he loves Kamara in that offense. So he had 97 targets, 81 receptions for just about 530 yards and one touchdown. So in a PPR, I'm still a huge fan of Kamara, even though I'm not really hindered by the fact that he had an off year last year because we all know what he could do. Yeah, I mean, talking about what he can do, just he ended the season relatively strong. In the last two weeks, he put up 170 yards, four touchdowns, and he was averaging 6.2 yards uh, per attempt. But now let's go back to 2018. This guy was averaging 20 fantasy points a game while putting up 1,600 total yards and 18 uh, total touchdowns. I mean, this he he is no problem a top four running back if healthy and in the right situation. I mean, just one of my favorite stats is the only other player to have a higher boom percentage than him, which is when you put up twenty five points or more, is uh, CMC. It's the only running back to put up more. Yeah, and that's a good point. And also, Kamar was able to finish as a top four fantasy running back in his first two NFL seasons. Before his injuries and before the loss of um, Drew Brees for a guy for five games helped sink him to RB9. And he was able to finish as the number 16 spot, I believe. So, you know, going into 2020, his ADP is just there at number seven and we have him as the five spot. So you're expecting, you know, we're not putting to the fact that Michael Thomas is going to be right up there in drafts and maybe even a Devontae Adams if you're looking for a running a wide receiver early on. But I really like that middle of the round pick as um, Alvin Kamara, especially if you compare him with the running backs we were talking earlier in our rankings, or if you compare Alvin Kamara with a Josh Jacobs or Todd Gurley, or even, you know, if we go back outside of our top 12 with a Chris Carson, I really like that 
those um, RB1 and RB2 potential for your fantasy team. Yeah, I mean, Alvin Kamara has that potential to finish top four. But let's talk about the actual top four. Coming in at number four, it's going to be Derek Henry, the tank of a human being. I mean, this guy was unbelievable last year. He played 15 games. He got his touches. They let him run the ball 300 times, 1,500 yards, 16 touchdowns. However, though, he's a little clumsy. He dropped the ball five times, gave it away three. And he's not really a passing back. We only had uh, 18, 18 receptions on 24 targets. However, though, he did get his two touchdowns in the air. I know he's not really a receiving back um, for the Tennessee Titans offense, but he does produce when he does get the ball thrown to him. You know, he had I know he had uh, 24 targets for 18 receptions, but his averages was 11 yards per reception. And, you know, <laughs> obviously, I know he had his longest receiving play was 75 last season. So it kind of boosted his numbers a lot there. But with Ryan Tannehill being very um, having the year he had last year, we're kind of um, hoping he, he kind of when he produces that same type of season next year, that two pairing really help each other with the passing game with Derrick Henry and also his rushing ability to open up the offense for the Tennessee Titans. And I'm just a huge fan of him. He had 75 plus rush yards in 18 of the past 22 games, even with playoffs included. He led the NFL in yards created, which was pretty much yards gain after the first evaded tackle. So like you said, he's a tank of a man. He's able to break through your defense and your secondary. And this was his first season starting in all games he played. And now that he's pretty much put himself as the RB one in fantasy, I, I think you could take him early on in the draft and not be worried about it. You know, before Derek Henry wasn't really a first round um, running back. I think last year, he was drafted outside of the first round, but <laughs> I don't see him leaving the first round this season for sure. Yeah, and like you said, it was the first full season he started in all sixteen, uh, in all fifteen games that he played. It was his first full workload. I mean, in comparison, like last year, he had two hundred and thirty touches to his three hundred this year. So, when the man gets the ball at that level of volume. And he has the talent that Derrick Henry has. It's almost impossible to not finish in the top five. Yeah, for sure. And so I'm really excited to see what he he follows up his 2019 campaign in 2020. Another guy that I'm really excited to see how he follows up his uh, 2019 campaign in 2020 is going to be the guy that we slapped in at number three, Ezekiel Elliott. He finished as the fourth overall running back last year. He played all 16 games for the first time in his career. And I mean, this guy was just an absolute beast. He had 300 rushing attempts, which computed to 1,300 rushing yards. The dude scored the ball like nobody else, 12 touchdowns. He gave it up three times. So we're still looking at him to improve his hands a little bit. You know, if Joe Mixon doesn't drop the ball, Ezekiel Elliott shouldn't either. But the thing is, there's a new head coach in town. Mike McCarthy, we know what he likes to do to his running backs, and he likes to handcuff them, basically. So there's always that fear that uh, Tony Pollard is going to be basically the new Jamal Williams, and Ezekiel Elliott is now going to have these big boom and big bust weeks. Yeah, and now that the Dallas Cowboys have a new um, coach in town with McCarthy, the offense is going to look a little different to the way it was before, but... 
still his production on the field is something that I'm just a huge fan of. And especially with the Dallas Cowboys with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, I just love that two pairing. Look at his receiving numbers with 71 targets. He had 54 receptions and 420 yards and two touchdowns there. But one thing that does concern me, and it's been thrown around the news, and we're not really sure all the um, information yet, was that he was he, that he had tested positive for coronavirus, and you're not really sure. I think no one really is when it comes to athletes the the long term effects that could have on a on an athlete. And I know they're young, and I know they're in the best shape in the world, but still, you know, this virus is something that you really gotta worry for and you know there's talks of it affecting your lungs and the lung capacity so if it does affect his snaps in some games if he's feeling tired then you know it it could become an issue i hope that's not the case for ezekiel elliott or any player just because you want you want to see these players succeed and be able to play to their full capabilities but it is something that you can't just forget about but i'm still expecting him to be able to finish as a top five running back regardless um, especially if he's fully healthy. So him at the three spot, his ADP, he's just there at four. So I know it could be because of Michael Thomas or, you know, other running backs ahead like Derrick Henry that could affect these ADPs. But being able to snag Zeke early on in the draft is a huge um, boost to your fantasy team. Hey, put it this way. Any, any running back that has the help of the Cowboys offensive line, they'll be fine. And then you put a talent like Zeke behind it, he's going to eat a lot of cereal. <sighs> yeah, so I'm expecting a huge season from Zeke. But you know, moving on to our number two spot, I know he had pretty much of a slow year compared to his amazing outbreak of his rookie season. And that's Saquon Barkley here at the number two. He finished 10 last year and he did miss three games, but... The reason why we have him ahead of Zeke is because he has that potential just, just to be the best running back in the NFL, especially if he is still used in the receiving game as he was in 2018. Hopefully there's more chemistry there with Daniel Jones coming into 2020, but let's just look at the numbers and break it down. He had 1,000 yards on 217 attempts, averaging just under five yards an attempt. He had six touchdowns. He took care of the ball pretty well with only one fumble. And 73 targets on 53 receptions, just under 440 yards with two receiving touchdowns. But now that we're able to see what Zeke was able to do with Jason Garrett back in Dallas in his first couple seasons, now we're going to be able to see what Jason Garrett does to Saquon Barkley. We know he likes to lean on his running backs. Look at DeMarco Mori, um, McFadden, Zeke Elliott. So it's, I do expect Saquon to be the workhorse that he was in 2018. And he has the capabilities of doing that if he's able to stay healthy. Yeah, if that man stays healthy, he is definitely going to be a problem for some people. I mean, he's 23 years old. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent in 2023. And the club option is in 2022. So they are going to get their mileage out of this man when they can. And I mean, hey, we brought it up that he had a not a typical Saquon year because he missed the three games. But to put it in perspective, the last three games he played over the last three weeks, he had five touchdowns and a total of 540 scrimmage yards. Now, that is RB1 talent right there. And just to put it even more in perspective, that man in 2018, he had a total of 2,028 yards. He had 90 receptions and 15 touchdowns. The guy is an absolute RB1 threat. 
Yeah, so everything considered, I'm expecting him to be a top three running back regardless going into next season. I know 2018, he had Eli Manning. And now that he has Daniel Jones, it kind of changes the offense just a little bit. But I do expect them, especially if they keep using him in the passing game, he's able to burn your secondary completely um, week in and week out. And he has the potential to finish as a number one running back week in, week out um, in 2020 or in any week throughout his career. One of our concerns that are always going to be, along with Saquon Barkley and the New York Giants, is their pretty poor uh, offensive line. But he's still able to produce behind that with 4.6 yards per carry behind that pretty mediocre, (laughs) I guess I'm being nice, but pretty mediocre offensive line. So that does affect his productivity. Now you bring up that word productivity. There's one man at the running back position who is the epitome of it. And that's going to be the guy who fills out our list at the number one spot. The all consensus, all in NFL, you know, anyone will tell you this is the number one guy. It's going to be Christian McCaffrey. He's the third player in NFL history to put up a thousand thousand season. I mean, it was thirteen hundred rushing yards, just a little over a thousand receiving. He gave you 19 total touchdowns. He played all 16 games. He basically was the Carolina offense. Yeah, and man, if you really break down the numbers, he was targeted 142 times in the passing game for 116 receptions. That's wide receiver one numbers. And he had wide receiver one numbers as a running back as well, just off the rushing game. It's pretty much how the conversation we had with Lamar Jackson as a quarterback run in the passing game and a running back one in the rushing game. And McCaffrey's literally the best option you you could have at number one regardless on who you're thinking of drafting whether it's Saquon or Zeke um I just don't see myself drafting anyone else other than McCaffrey going into next season at the number one spot and I know I'm biased and I won't really have that issue at least in our in our fantasy league because he's my keeper but if you're starting off your fantasy season and you and you're able to get that number one pick McCaffrey is your guy to set him play and just watch him win you weeks week in week out and just look at the touches he's had the last three years it's very consistent yet uh it's very promising going into the future because he had 113 his rookie year 124 and 142 last season so I guess if you follow the trend we're looking at 150 plus touches in the receiving game so that definitely helps um in ppr formats half ppr but just in general if he's able to rush just under 1400 yards on the ground and receive for a thousand and yeah and he's trending upward in the receiving game and under this offense i know they have a new coach with matt rule but and a new quarterback with teddy bridgewater now that cam newton is gone he was able to form at his best even without cam newton last season so he said it last year he was going to go for a thousand thousand and he was able to do that and he wowed people away. I think he's by far the best offensive player in the NFL. And you, know, you could say Zeke's there or you could say Michael Thomas is there, but just total package. It's Christian McCaffrey. I mean, put it this way. You take away all his receiving stats. He still finishes as RB1. It's insane the numbers this guy can put up. But yeah, you brought up the new coach, Matt Rule. I mean, this guy, he turned, a, he turned a program around in Baylor. He's one of the most brilliant offensive college football minds there is right now. And for him to go to this team, I, it's very exciting. All right. Well, guys, 
That's going to wrap up our top 12 running backs for this upcoming season. We gave you a couple extra guys to look out for who aren't necessarily that RB1 talent yet, but can get you there. Really hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. Check us out on Instagram at WorstGuysPod. We'll be posting our lists as well as uh, some player spotlight videos there. Hope you give us a follow. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week. We'll be doing our wide receiver rankings. Hope you stay tuned. Thanks for joining us this week on the Worst Guys Fantasy Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe, rate and review our podcast, and follow us on Twitter at WorstGuysPod. You can send your questions to our email, theworstguysfantasypod at gmail.com. Tune in next week for our next segment.